Thanks for tuning in. I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. In this episode, we round up some developments related to the organizations behind the Black Lives Matter movement, teachers' unions set themselves as a principal roadblock to reopening American economic and social life, and vote by mail leads to shenanigans in Indiana and New Jersey. Two weeks ago, we cautioned. The phrase, Black Lives Matter, can be a simple expression of a literal fact that Black people's lives matter. It can express political support for various policing and social changes, some with conservative and cross-party support. Or it can refer to any of a tangled web of sometimes radical left political advocacy groups. In the past weeks, my Capital Research Center colleagues have uncovered more evidence that should drive supporters of the sentiment, and even the police reform program, to be exceptionally skeptical of the organizations purporting to lead the movement. First up is a very unpleasant connection to Thousand Currents, the organization that fiscally sponsors the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation that we discussed in episode 124. It seems that Thousand Currents has a former radical left terrorist on its board, a fact the group then tried to hide by taking down its board member's webpage after Capital Research Center President Scott Walter drew attention to it. The board member's name is Susan Rosenberg, who grew out of the radical left insurrectionist group Weather Underground, also known as the Weathermen or Weather, For more on them, check out our comprehensive profile at InfluenceWatch.org. Rosenberg later joined the May 19th Communist Organization, a militant Marxist cell that engaged in a bombing campaign targeting New York and Washington, D.C. to cast a pall over Ronald Reagan's Morning in America presidential re-election campaign. In 1984, Rosenberg was arrested alongside another May 19th member in front of a storage unit in New Jersey that was full of stolen dynamite. She would serve 16 years in prison until Bill Clinton commuted her sentence on his way out of the White House. For more on Rosenberg, check out our comprehensive profile of her at InfluenceWatch.org. Meanwhile, Verizon has attempted to appease the woke activist by paying off $10 million to seven left progressive social justice organizations. One of them? None other than Al Sharpton's National Action Network, which my colleague Ken Braun takes as evidence that the failed politician and MSNBC commentator can get away with anything. What did he get away with? Well, he once falsely accused a New York prosecutor and New York police officers of raping a girl without any evidence. The attack was later demonstrated to be a hoax, and the smeared prosecutor won a defamation judgment. In the 1990s, Sharpton used inflammatory rhetoric that played on anti-Semitic stereotypes on multiple occasions during periods of turmoil in New York City. His organizations have been embroiled in numerous allegations of tax misconduct, and for good measure, his activist business tactics have been characterized as a shakedown. Even the venerable NAACP is hardly immune to discrediting entanglements. In October 2016, the national NAACP passed a resolution condemning charter schools, despite the fact that charter schools often benefit African-American families. For more on how charter schools benefit minority families, check out our conversation with the Bluegrass Institute's Jim Waters from last week. Of course, the national teachers' unions, leading opponents to any form of school choice, provided the NAACP with hundreds of thousands of dollars in contributions in the years leading up to the resolution. After nearly four months of lockdowns and similar restrictions on human, economic, and social life, some states have begun to reopen after and amid the outbreak of pandemic coronavirus. But some workers are finding teachers' unions to be a perhaps unexpected impediment to their own resumption of something like normalcy, with the burden of the union's obstinacy likely to fall hardest on suburban professional women, forced to choose between their careers and supervising children forced to learn through distance learning government school system's pathetic substitute for classroom instruction. In Virginia, teachers' unions are pushing for full-time remote instruction, with one teachers' union president saying not to return to school until a vaccine, the success of which is not guaranteed, is widely available. In Ohio, the Columbus Teachers' Union balked at a plan for severely limited classroom instruction. 
And in Florida, teachers' unions are also demanding full-time distance learning. Meanwhile, the American Academy of Pediatrics, a doctor's group that has taken left-liberal positions on a number of hot-button issues like gun control, climate change, and expanding government-run health care, is pushing for children to start the year physically present in school, if at all possible. So what gives? The American Federation of Teachers is brutally frank, engaging in what would, if it occurred anywhere other than a legislative debate, be called straightforward extortion. It is demanding $117 billion in federal schools funding. Or else the children get it. As school buildings will stay shuttered and America's families will endure another academic year of at-home learning. To quote America's second largest teachers union. Somewhere yet undiscovered, Jimmy Hoffa surely cracks a wry smile. This is hardly the first, and will probably not be the last, case of a government worker union putting its own power above the good of the public. Recall, police unions are notorious enablers of the worst abuses of the police power when they support contract provisions and state laws that go far beyond any reasonably due process in protecting bad cops at the expense of public safety and order. For their part, teachers' unions spend millions on political programs that obstruct charter schools, keep bad teachers in classrooms while preventing merit awards to good teachers, and support the broader left progressive movement outside the classroom. And in our final item, we check in on Vote by Mail, the left progressive movement's solution to the problems of holding an election amid the outbreak of coronavirus. It has not been a good couple of weeks for the practice. Most impressively, New Jersey Attorney General Gerbeer Graywall, an appointee of Democratic Governor Phil Murphy, charged four men, including the vice chair of the Patterson City Council and a Patterson councilman-elect, with voter fraud related to the May 12th municipal elections in Patterson, a city of about 150,000 people in the New York City metro area. In total, the city received over 16,000 mail-in ballots, but it only counted 13,557, a disqualification rate of nearly 20% of the returned ballots. So, what allegedly occurred? According to Mark Hemingway of Real Clear Politics, reporting by NBC further uncovered citizens of Patterson who are listed as having voted, but who told the news outlet they never received a ballot and did not vote. There were multiple reports that large numbers of mail-in ballots were left on the lobby floors of apartment buildings and not delivered to residents' individual mailboxes further casting doubt on the integrity of the election. It gets worse, with multiple factions on the council flinging allegations against each other. A faction supporting the mayor alleges that the faction opposing the mayor was stealing ballots from mailboxes, while the faction opposing the mayor alleges that voters were intimidated by Patterson police, including police on the mayor's security detail. The charges filed by Attorney General Graywall further charged the defendants with violating New Jersey's regulation on bearers who return ballots on behalf of voters. Candidates are forbidden from being bearers. The council vice chair and charged councilman-elect allegedly did so anyway. In Indiana, a woman is facing charges for sending out 400 absentee ballot applications with the Democratic Party box pre-checked, which is forbidden by state rules. She allegedly continued doing so even after being warned to stop. Of course, such shenanigans are not exclusive to one party or another. A mail carrier in West Virginia was charged with altering absentee ballot applications from Democratic to Republican. The New Jersey case and the absentee ballot request cases are indications that law enforcement and activists must be exceptionally vigilant for misconduct, as the 2020 elections are likely to proceed with more mail-in voting than usual. That's our show for this week. We encourage you to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you, and please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.